The coronavirus pandemic has touched every country in the world, but it hasn't touched everyone equally. They've got these gangsters driving vehicles with loudspeakers patrolling areas of the favela telling them to stay inside. And few countries are more divided between rich and poor than Brazil. I'm feeling quite scared about what the future may bring. I'm trying to take day by day. With around 500 confirmed deaths from the virus, how is Latin America's largest nation coping with the disease? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, corona and class in Brazil, a country divided. I'm Lucinda Elliott. I'm the Times contributor in Rio de Janeiro. I'm here with a pretty stunning view of the Christ statue from my window that overlooks the city. When did people in Brazil begin to worry about coronavirus? I actually remember exactly where I was when I got the first call from my editor. It was actually the very last day of carnival. I was in the middle of what's known as a, a bloco, which is like a street-level party. And I get a telephone call. There's like a brass band playing. There's samba music. There are people in costumes with glitter all over their faces. And it was right then that we had the news of the first cases in Brazil. That was on February 26th. It wasn't until really the second week of March that it became apparent that the virus was spreading quite quickly. Brazilian president, President Bolsonaro, he is a controversial character at the best of times. How has his handling of this crisis gone down? As you say, he's already a highly controversial figure in Brazil. No meu caso particular. In my case, given my athletic history, if I was to be infected, it would not necessarily concern me. I wouldn't feel anything other than, at most, a little cold or be under the weather. He's been accused, actually, of risking the lives of millions for shrugging off advice from experts and mocking the coronavirus pandemic. A lot of the media have gone against the grain. They have spread fear. He actually initially labelled it a fantasy. He said it was a myth of sorts conjured up by the media and that the world's panic was unjustified. Um, the president's even gone so far as to greet his supporters. He was down at a restaurant that was still open, helping himself to an outdoor barbecue, shaking hands with the cooks, leaning in for selfies without a mask. We really have this face-off in terms of the response to the outbreak between the president and, and the state governors who support him and those who actually want to put public health ahead of job security. Tell me about that. How has Sao Paulo ended up being in fairly strict lockdown when... President Bolsonaro is still out shaking hands. The state governor, Juan Doria, he was the previous mayor of Sao Paulo and he has followed World Health Organization advice. He's closed all non-essential businesses. Factories are closed, services are closed. It's a massive logistical challenge. Brazil represents 25% or a quarter of all reported cases in Latin America. Is that rate 
of spread causing alarm. It is, certainly. I think critics of the government say that there's just been a total lack of continuity and policy at a federal level, in part because the executive doesn't actually believe that the virus is as deadly as, as people make out. This has sparked a daily protest in some areas of Brazil, what's known as a panelasso, which is a popular form of protest in South America where people come out of their windows and balconies banging on pots and pans and they're calling for the president to stand down. And my neighbours were out in full force. And this is thought to be happening maybe because so many are at home, but really people are shocked at the lack of statewide policy. Brazil had Zika a few years ago. Is that still a big part of the national consciousness? Zika still carries on here. We had, I think, over 500 cases of Zika in the first seven weeks of this year. And Brazil has a long history of combating tropical diseases and all sorts of infections. That is taken into consideration when we consider coronavirus, but also that the public healthcare system really can't cope. It's living on a shoestring at the moment. So I think that's what worries people when it comes to to this pandemic. And is it the government's handling of those earlier crises that has now sort of filled people with so little faith in Bolsonaro's handling of this one? I think in terms of Brazilians at a a government level, it's not necessarily linked, in my view, to a specific president or how it's dealt with. It's just that generally the healthcare system is underfunded. Historically, it has been underfunded. Lucinda's been speaking to people affected by the outbreak of the virus in one of Brazil's most important cities, Sao Paulo. Those from the richest areas, the middle class and the very poorest. So São Paulo is the the wealthiest Brazilian state. It's home to the biggest city, actually, in the entire southern hemisphere. It's skyscrapers, mushroom, traffic jams lengthen, suburbs sprawl. And its city population can range anywhere from 12 to 22 million people, depending on the ring that you draw around it. Depending on people's social class, they've been acting quite differently. We have a big sort of landed gentry in Brazil. They all, weeks ago, escaped the sprawling cities, particularly ones like Sao Paulo, where we have a very high number of cases, and they went to their family farms. My name is Giuseppe Bussetti. Giuseppe is in his mid-30s and would normally be spending his day-to-day in the city of Sao Paulo. I'm currently self-quarantining in a town some 300 kilometers away from Sao Paulo. But his family have decided to live out the quarantine period on their farm. I'm here with both my brothers, my father and a couple of friends. Their wives, children, with no clear idea really of how long they'll be living at the farm. I've been already in self-quarantine for nine days here in the countryside. What sort of access would they have to healthcare, to testing, to ventilators, to all the things we're all worrying about now? One um, person who I've spoke to She and her family have been extremely careful because, of course, they have elderly members of their family who are more at risk. So the deal was is that they would go sort of in phases. They would self-quarantine in the city of Sao Paulo, check if they had any symptoms, and then phase in different people once they knew that they didn't have any 
signs that they were unwell. There's a huge difference when it comes to public and, and private services. The private healthcare system is considered very good here in Brazil, certainly by Latin American standards. They would be immediately seen to. A very high number of coronavirus cases are actually being treated in private hospitals. One of the things that we've seen here in Brazil is that people are suggesting that this is a disease of the wealthy. Health officials claim that the first cases came to Brazil from people who'd actually travelled or gone on holiday to Italy. Giuseppe found that in the city, before he left Sao Paulo for the family farm, those less fortunate continued to work and seemed completely unaware of the dangers. What surprised me most was the fact that people that were taking this seriously and were using gloves and masks were being kind of ostracized. It's kind of strange. Uh, I had to stop by the mechanic and I didn't shake his hand and I felt like I was being rude, even though I had to explain to the guy that it's not that he might be ill, but I might be ill. Has this exacerbated the class war in Brazil? Social inequality is an age-old problem. We are seeing a real start of people reacting because they know that the people who are going to spread it are the ones who can't afford to stay at home. I'm scared for the people with less means. It's one thing for you to just come to your family country side house and stay far away from everyone. But in these communities where people live in very close quarters and our public health system isn't built to handle an insane amount of people. That's what's creating a sense of fear among everyone, regardless of their social standing. The issue is, how do we contain it and how do we stop it reaching communities that really don't have the resources? I don't feel supported by neither the state governor nor the president of Brazil. All this political class is really letting everyone down because who's trying and doing the measures that are necessary? I just hope we become more human and humane towards others after this experience. Hi, my name is Vivian Bernfeld, and I live in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Lucinda has also been speaking with Vivian, a Sao Paulo resident who's part of Brazil's comfortable middle class. Unlike Giuseppe, she doesn't have the luxury of being able to flee to a countryside home, but she's part of the movement that's currently protesting about the government's inaction. I've been in self-quarantine since the 14th of March, so the day actually was the day right after my 30th birthday. And I had planned a huge birthday bash, had invited about 200 people, had hired two DJs, had rented a space out to have this incredible dance party until 6 a.m. And that exact week, things started to, to hit reality and I decided to cancel my birthday because I realized it probably would be a risk. She works in the art world and uh, she's not alone in her flat. She has a, a flatmate who also works in the city. I've been in this apartment, which I own since 2015, and I honestly can't say I have ever spent this much time at home. Vivian herself described to me how, how she's very fortunate in that she owns the flat. This apartment is where I live in is spacey. I have a really nice terrace where I tan. I'm trying to tan every day, catching up with that vitamin D. And I have a great flatmate that I enjoy 
and we have an extra bedroom, so we actually invited a friend to come and live with us. They really don't know how long and until when this situation will continue in Brazil. 8.30 in the, the evening, I go to my terrace and I yell against uh, our head of state, together with a lot of people here in, in the neighborhood. And that's kind of been my routine. I've, you know, it's been nice. She's very involved in the art world, which of course, just like everywhere, you know, globally, we've seen it, uh, cancelling of events. Things in the art world have slowed down a lot which has meant that I've had to be very creative with my time. I'm currently doing a course on psychology, which is, you know, quite relevant for the times we're living in right now. She's out of work, but interestingly, she took the decision to self-quarantine fairly early on, as I think there was a lot of social pressure among the middle classes, if they can, and cover their rent. How will she be coping not being able to work? Will, will that be difficult for her? I think everybody here is sort of in sort of temporary mode. We've only had a few weeks of this, so you can sort of support yourself and you have enough savings for here to X months, which is a contrast to the working population that is paid on a weekly basis. They have a cushion, but they are extremely concerned about the economic consequence of all of this. I'm feeling quite scared about what the future may bring, but I'm trying to keep positive because I feel that if I think about it too much, then I'm just going to freak out and I'm trying to take day by day. A lot of people have come to criticize our government for its attitudes towards the crisis. And I think this political instability is something that I worry about, as well as the economic, but mainly politically. I worry that um, we won't have any real changes and I feel that this is what we really, really need. While some Brazilians spend quarantine on their family estates or in apartments, for the rest, things are different, tougher. Good evening. I'm Marcus Asuncao. Marcus is in his early 20s and lives in the poorer city district of Tambuão da Serra, a good 40 minutes commute or longer from the centre of São Paulo. It's a neighbourhood in what's sometimes known as a favela. Uh... I live in a rented house with my girlfriend and two children. My neighbourhood is mostly at a standstill during the week. But come the weekend, people are in the street. There's music, so not everyone every day is observing the stay-at-home situation. So Marcus is a young photographer who actually has helped me on several reporting jobs. Dentro de casa, mais ou menos... I've been at home for the past 15 days, staying at home, more or less not leaving for any reason. I only leave to buy the things we need, going to the supermarket to replace things that have run out, or going to the bakery to get bread. We are trying to avoid doing this every day. For me, it would be better if we could leave. It's not really an option not to go out. And they're trying to self-isolate. But it's extremely hard uh, and they can't make ends meet. Their rent is up. He's very concerned about his savings and his work situation. He does deliveries on the side. What I'm scared about in the coming weeks is that my savings are almost gone, finished. I need to go out and work. I need to produce. I mean, what happens to him if 
this carries on for another month, two months. This is what we were pondering, the two of us. The Brazilian government has introduced some economic measures. The government's offered a possible 600 reais benefit for certain people, which is about 90 pounds. But it's not even enough to cover rent. I don't really get it. There's also concerns about, of course, a looting. We saw in the UK even people, you know, stockpiling loo roll. But in a society that is as divided and, and I'd say particularly violent society like Brazil at times, right, that's a huge fear as well. What level of looting do we have? They're saying that the number of people who have been mugged or held up with guns is just skyrocketing because, of course, there's nobody around. I mean, that's incredibly tough. A lot of these favelas are very well organised and residents are organising themselves to try and stop the spread and also to try and distribute things that people may need. Many places are living without. Here in our area and also in lots of neighbouring communities, we can't find any cleaning products. No hand sanitizer, no alcohol, no masks, not even gloves. We need to be more aware. Communities are trying to put in preventative measures, but it has been extremely hard. Now we say that they've got these gangsters driving vehicles with loudspeakers, patrolling areas of the favela, telling them to stay inside, uh, warning residents to stay inside. That's gangsters are now doing what you'd imagine the government would be. Yes and no, because you have to remember that the criminal gangs, they have controlled these communities from day one. There's very little state presence in a lot of these communities. The police don't dare go in. Gang lords are going around and what they would normally do would be asking for money for other things. They're also trying to control this outbreak spreading because they know that people, you know, they need to go out to work, they need to live, but these communities can't function if they face a pandemic. Another problem facing Brazil during this pandemic is faith. One standout example of, of quarantine just not working in Brazil are the churches. People are still going to church, carrying on with their routine. Many people need a routine. They aren't going to abandon their faith, the God they know. They aren't going to not go to his house because of this disease. But there are lots of churches that closed. So a formal decree at a, a federal level was issued so that they can stay open, which is completely counterintuitive. The Temple of Solomon, which is in Sao Paulo, it receives around 4,000 people a day in six separate services and mainly people from working-class backgrounds. So you can push everyone into their tiny seven-to-a-room dwellings and tell them not to leave, but then they'll all meet again on a Sunday morning. I mean, it just it's within this context that you can see that quarantine, it, it, it's just, it isn't working. It has caused huge anxiety about work. How much time until all this stops? We don't know how long we're going to live like this. This is going to cause an economic crisis from the community here around me I don't get support. I don't see people helping. Community doesn't really exist here anymore. What there is are people who help out who live in the same neighbourhood. 
We don't want to see a country fall apart, for people to suffer. We don't want to feel broken. We need a political position as soon as possible, so that in some shape or form, we can develop something to combat this, global forces to change this, to clean all of this up. It's a moment of union. Do you think it might change the political landscape? I think it is changing the political landscape. Some sort of figure has got to come out of this. We've had Bolsonaro for a year, and I can honestly say this past year, no one has come and put their head out as a possible opposition to him. So whether somebody comes through the woodwork or people galvanize and create their own systems and, and, and things like that. Some obviously argue that Bolsonaro will just change his mind next week and everyone will just follow him and the like sheep, proper lockdown. You know, he'll, yeah he'll go back on what he said instead of now i've reconsidered and now there's a lockdown he's not called trump of the tropics for nothing the only time will tell when it comes to that question of whether this is the end of him or not but certainly judging from my neighbors next door who are banging on their pots and pans against him they don't seem to be backing down anytime soon Given just the startling inequality between the richest and the poorest in Brazil, do you think there will have to be some kind of levelling up? I mean, do you think something substantial will change? I would really hope that, that there is. And I think that's part of the reason maybe why some of the gang members are getting involved in all of this, right? Because they realise the first ones who are going to be affected are the ones that are in the informal side of the economy but I'd say they're very organized leaders as well of certain favelas that are coming together they really are calling for people to donate they're trying to coordinate and they do coordinate in other with other issues as well the state really isn't present in a lot of these communities the police is not anywhere to be seen and they are sectors of society that are almost completely set apart so it'd be interesting to see if there is more integration I also wanted to ask you about the indigenous population. How is coronavirus affecting them? There are around 300 indigenous tribes in Brazil, roughly 900,000 people. And already this past week, there have been concerns about their ability to combat symptoms caused by coronavirus. Now, while scientists argue that these communities are no more or less at risk of actually catching the virus when compared to urban populations, you know, it's a new disease for all humans. So unlike with, say, a measles outbreak where certain groups have an advantage because they've been given a vaccine and indigenous tribes have not, they are at the same level of risk. However, a lack of access to healthcare and the sort of treatment made available to these very remote tribes is what experts are warning about. And that if the government doesn't enact specific provision for them, you know, an entire population could suffer or be wiped out. And from everything you're seeing out there, are there any lessons for us here in the UK? I think across Latin America, where inequality is perhaps more obvious than in more developed regions like Britain, and that the arrival of coronavirus is forcing very difficult decisions on those living precariously and those who are not, it's really exposing holes in social safety nets. So maybe Brazil can help expose some of those holes in British society as well that undoubtedly exist but maybe aren't so obvious to the naked eye. 
um, as they are here. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Lucinda Elliott, the Times contributor in Rio de Janeiro. You can read more of Lucinda's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers today were Will Rowe, Edward Drummond and Asia Fuchs. The executive producer is Leo Hornack and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. Also, in these uncertain times, you can access analysis, opinion and advice from the experts every day with a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Visit thetimes.co.uk slash subscribe to find out more. 